Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast with this Mark recap episode. And uh, this one's not going to take as long as the Exodus recap episode that I did on Thursday with my sister, or I'm sorry, Wednesday with my sister, because, um, you know, I'm only going through eight chapters of Mark, whereas on Wednesday, my sister and I covered 20 chapters of Exodus. (laughs) Exodus isn't as dense as Mark is. Like Mark has so much content in it in just a few short chapters because there's only 16 chapters in uh, Mark. But Exodus, I feel like, has more of a story. So you have to like explain it more if that makes sense or something. I don't know. But let's go ahead and talk about Mark chapter 1 all the way through Mark chapter 8. So this isn't going to be super long here. But the reason I like to do these kinds of recap episodes halfway through, which actually we're we're more than halfway through of Mark, and also on uh, Wednesday we were more than halfway through of Exodus. But I do like to do these recap episodes because I think they're important moving forward so that we can kind of like see the whole picture. Like sometimes when we're talking about... Um, the Bible and it's all broken up, it's hard for us to remember the whole picture. And I do that too. Like even when I was doing the research for these recap episodes, it was really cool to actually go back and write all the information down and see the entire picture. I really enjoyed doing that. So that's why I think it's important to have a recap episode halfway through. I might do a second half recap episode at the end of Mark and also the end of Exodus. We'll see, though. I don't know if I'll do that or not. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, let's go ahead and start here by uh, talking about Mark chapter 1. So Mark chapter 1 was just absolutely filled to the brim with information. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. The one thing about Mark, he didn't go into a lot of detail with a lot of the stuff that he um, he wrote about. He kind of made Jesus seem like he was a servant. So Jesus was always jumping from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, which is important for us to recognize about Jesus's character that he was in fact a servant and he calls himself a servant and uh, that, that that is very important for us to recognize about Jesus the fact that he is a servant and since we are supposed to emulate Jesus and Jesus's personality I believe that Jesus also wants us to be servants and in fact he talks about that several times throughout uh, the book of Mark where he says that if you want to be first you have to be last you have to be the servant of all you have to be the servant of servants the least of the least. You have to picture yourself as a servant. And of course, Jesus was talking about himself. I don't believe there's anybody on earth that could be so selfless other than Jesus as to become the servant of servants. (laughs) But of course, that is what Jesus did. He became the servant of servants when he died on the cross for literally every single person on earth. We're actually talking about on Friday how um, God does not respect certain people more than other people. He loves the rich people just as much as he loves the poor people and vice versa. And, um, you know, we were talking about that tax 
on Friday. It was called a census tax that God ordained in the book of Exodus. And this is kind of the same concept here. Jesus loved everybody exactly the same and gave everybody this gift of salvation, basically, when he died on the cross. So anyway, going to Mark 1, John the baptizer is introduced. So John the Baptist is actually Jesus's cousin, though Mark does not express that. He is Jesus's cousin. So they were related and they might have known of each other before and they probably did know of each other. But uh, it was probably very humbling for John the Baptist to actually recognize Jesus, you know, who was his cousin as the Messiah. So anyway, John the Baptist is introduced and he ends up baptizing Jesus. Now, I've talked before as to why Jesus got baptized when he didn't need to because <laughs> he's Jesus. He does not need to be baptized but a leader is supposed to show people how to do stuff right that is literally the point of a leader is to lead people into the right way to do stuff Jesus being the ultimate leader if he expresses to his followers that he wants them to be baptized and he doesn't go and get baptized himself the followers would be like well why didn't he go and get baptized (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, there's many reasons why he wouldn't have had to do it, but I believe that was just Jesus giving us an example as to what we're supposed to do. And since Jesus says to go and get baptized, he himself went and got baptized. But I believe it was also for John the Baptist's sake. I don't know if he knew right away that Jesus was truly the Messiah until Jesus came out of that water and the dove ascended onto Jesus. I'm sorry, descended onto Jesus. The dove descended onto Jesus and the dove looked like a dove, but it was actually um, God's like Holy Spirit coming down out of heaven in the form of a dove. So Jesus comes up out of the water. John the Baptist sees this. And I believe in the book of John, which we haven't talked about yet, that is when John the Baptist is like, yeah, that's how I knew for sure that Jesus was the Messiah. I had a suspicion that he was, but I knew for sure at that point when he came out of the water that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. So John, at that point, was able to express to all the people that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. So after Jesus comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and gets tempted. But Mark literally says almost nothing about that. That's literally all he says. He went out into the desert for 40 days and gets tempted. (laughs) So after that, Jesus comes back and John is actually thrown into prison by King Herod at that time. So Jesus actually continues with John's message. He preaches the exact same thing that John preached, minus the baptism. Jesus himself did not baptize anybody, though his disciples did. But Jesus did not baptize anybody because of what John was preaching before, which was someone is going to come who is greater than I, who is not going to baptize you with water like I do, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus ends up doing in the book of Acts when Jesus ascends, not descends, ascends up into heaven. And then a few days later, all of his disciples and followers receive the Holy Spirit and are basically baptized in 
in the Holy Spirit, which is what we are nowadays as well. But we still do baptism, the the physical act of baptism, you know, going into the water and coming back out as a symbol of that because Jesus did in fact want his disciples to be baptized and preached baptism and allowed his disciples to baptize other people. So as the point of baptism is just it's it's a unique thing that we do in the church that just expresses our commitment to Jesus. At one point we were we were buried, you know, that's that's the point of going into the water. We were buried and we came back out a new person. That is why um when our church does baptisms, we actually go up to the lake and do them. And uh, when the people come out of the lake water, we clap, we go crazy. And that's just, you know, they're, they're a new person in our minds. They are now a uh, follower of Jesus, <clears throat> though I don't believe going on that subject. I don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, though that is debated. I personally don't think it's necessary for salvation, but I do think it's very, very important, a very important thing because Jesus himself was baptized. And so if Jesus was baptized, I do think it's a very important thing for us to get baptized and to um, follow in that into Jesus's uh, footsteps, basically. So in Mark 1, at the end of it, Jesus is continuing on with John's message after John is put into prison, and he's healing all of these people. And so uh, he starts his his career, in a sense, as Jesus. <laughs> and he starts healing all these different people. Now, Mark chapter two, Jesus performs this big miracle where he heals this paralyzed man. He was in this house. Jesus was in this house and the people are like surrounding him in this house. There was literally no room to walk through the doors. So these uh, friends were bringing this paralyzed man on on the stretcher. So they actually take the roof off of the house because back in those days you could like peel the roof off of the house. And so they're like taking the roof apart, which if that was my house, I'd be going insane. But anyway, <laughs> they like lower this paralyzed man on a stretcher literally down at Jesus. So Jesus is looking at this man and he says, your sins are forgiven you. The Pharisees get really mad because the Pharisees are there listening to Jesus. They get mad because only God can forgive sins. Now, Jesus, of course, was God and he was he was able to forgive sins and it was a foreshadowing of Jesus going to the cross. So, um, and this was also Jesus kind of declaring himself to be God. You know, skeptics like to say that Jesus never declared himself as God, but there are so many things where Jesus declared himself as God. Uh, so anyway, Mark chapter two, you know, the, the paralyzed man gets healed after that and walks out of the house with his mat. And so uh, he has his first run in with the Pharisees after that, Jesus does. And I can't remember what that was about, but oh, oh, uh, the Pharisees got mad because Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, I believe, towards the end of Mark chapter two. And the fact that Jesus was not fasting either. And Jesus is like, I don't really need to fast. You know, my disciples can fast when I'm gone, basically. So anyway, after this, Mark chapter three, crowds begin to follow Jesus because he's gaining in popularity. 
he's healing people. He's teaching people. The people like it. They want to have Jesus heal them. So then at this point, Jesus gets 12 disciples. Um, actually, I forgot to mention that in Mark 2, he did get a couple disciples. But in Mark chapter 3, he gets the rest of his disciples, all 12 of them, after his popularity begins to rise. He gets disciples. And uh, after this, Jesus begins speaking the truth. Like he is speaking the truth. He is healing demons. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And the people don't like it. People don't really like truth sometimes. Some people love truth. Some people really like it. Other people don't like to hear truth because they don't want to hear that they're doing something wrong or that uh, they might be living contrary to the truth. So some people don't like truth. So when, <laughs> when the people heard Jesus speaking these things, they thought that Jesus was literally psychotic. Okay, they thought he was out of his mind. They thought he had a demon, some of them. The Pharisees were saying that, that Jesus had a demon, and Jesus is like, that's blasphemy. You better not go there. And then his own family is trying to get Jesus to shut up. They're coming to him, trying to get him to come out to them and, and tell him off a little bit. And Jesus doesn't go. He's just like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so even, you know, even Jesus teaches the truth, even when his family was against him. How hard is that? I mean, that is very, very hard to even go against your family to speak the truth. But that is what Jesus does. So then in Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus is just gaining in popularity as this this guy that is just speaking the truth, healing people, casting out demons, all this stuff. So he he goes and does large scale teaching and he's like teaching all these different parables on this boat. There were so many people that Jesus had to go into the water basically on this boat in order to teach all these people. So he was teaching them from the boat. And man, that would have been really draining now that I'm thinking about this. Because speaking for a long period of time is very, very, very hard. One time I got invited over to a school to do like a career fair thing. And I had to do seven classes of kids and speak to them. By the end of the day, I was so exhausted. I was exhausted. I'm like, I don't know how these teachers do this every single day. Man, props to the props to teachers. I, <laughs> but Jesus here. He's on this boat and he's doing this large scale teaching and he's probably screaming because they probably can't hear him over the waves, you know, so he's probably really yelling. So he's probably exhausted after this. And it kind of says he is because let me let me actually go over to Mark chapter four here. This is the one where he uh, ends up calming the storm. So he he sends the crowds away and he tells his disciples in the boat, let's go over to the other side. So then evening is coming, the, the crowds leave, and Jesus was sleeping while this huge storm comes up. So yeah, Jesus was exhausted after a day of teaching, probably out in the hot sun, probably to all these people, probably screaming, you know, so he's tired. And so um, Jesus at that point is sleeping. The disciples are like, don't you care that we're going to die in this storm? You know, not asking him to actually help, but they're like, we're going to die in this storm. And Jesus is like irritated that he got woken up. And so then he... It says that he rebukes the storm, or in other words, he yells at the storm. <laughs> and he's like, be quiet, be still. So then the storm 
basically dies down and the disciples are left wondering about Jesus. So at this point in Mark chapter 5, Jesus goes into Gentile territory and he actually heals a demon-possessed man. A man that had so many demons inside of him that he had like supernatural strength and was like uh, cutting himself with stones. He was living naked in this graveyard and you know he was terrorizing people that would walk past the graveyard. So this guy was out of his mind. And so um, because he had so many demons inside of him. And so Jesus heals this man and gets rid of all of those demons. The demons go into like this herd of pigs. The the pigs go and like uh, they terrorize the pigs. The pigs run into the sea. And everybody that was in that area at the time sees this miracle Jesus di- did. And they go and like tell it to the city. So then uh, the city comes out to greet Jesus and they see the guy that had the demons sitting there in his right mind and he was clothed and they knew who this guy was I mean he was probably like infamous so they knew who he was and they see this and they become terrified and remember this was a Gentile region and uh, they were so scared that um, they actually send Jesus away so this man who was demon possessed wanted to go with Jesus very badly he wanted to become a disciple of Jesus but Jesus is like no you're best needed here where people knew who you were and can hear your redemption story so he tells the man to go into the city and to proclaim the name of Jesus and tell everybody there what Jesus had done and this is one of the first times that Jesus actually says to do this probably because he didn't go into this region very much in fact he rarely went into Gentile territory. And we see that when he's in Jewish territory, he tells the people, uh, don't say anything about who I am. But here he is telling this man to like proclaim this early on and tell people what Jesus did. And uh, he does this twice, actually. He does this, and they're both in Gentile territories. He does this for this demon-possessed man, and he does it for the Samaritan woman as well, where he like preached the gospel to the Samaritan people and told them that he was, in fact, the Messiah. So um, it, there's a difference between uh, the Gentile territories and the Jewish territories that he's in, where Jesus did not want to be known as the Messiah until he had died because if they if he had been known as the messiah in jewish territories they would have forced him to be the king it probably would have delayed his death it would have done all sorts of crazy stuff so jesus didn't want that but in gentile territories where he was not going to be be crucified uh it was okay to proclaim this um this thing because it wasn't going to hinder jesus in any way so that is what this man does he goes and tells his freedom story to Everybody in that area and many people became Jesus followers at that point, I believe. So then Jesus goes back into Jewish territory and he heals that sick woman who had the issue with blood. He heals her and he calls her a very special name. He calls her daughter. And uh, this woman was completely healed. And then he goes and heals this young 12-year-old girl or 13-year-old girl. I can't remember. 12 or 13. Who um, who was sick to the point of death. Jesus goes in and heals her. So then in Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes home and he's completely despised. (laughs) This is where Jesus is like, a priest has no honor in his own hometown. He goes home, he's despised, nobody wants to hear from him because they think of him as an illegitimate son. 
They think of him as Mary's son, but not as Joseph's son. They think that Jesus is illegitimate, that he has no right to be preaching this stuff. They don't understand how a carpenter in their area all of a sudden has all this knowledge and uh, they're offended by Jesus. So Jesus leaves and he says, I have no honor in my own hometown. So after this, it says that he sends out his 12 disciples and uh, they're supposed to go all around and, um, you know, preach to people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is coming. And so he sends them out and Jesus does some solo preaching for a little bit. During this time period, John the Baptist is beheaded by King Herod, who King Herod had like a thing for his adopted daughter which is weird. But anyway, because of that, John the Baptist is beheaded and it becomes kind of dangerous for Jesus there for a little bit. So Jesus leaves with his disciples because they needed a vacation. You know, this, this could have been several months that they're out preaching and uh, Jesus was doing his solo teaching. So once the disciples come back, probably both to avoid King Herod and the fact that it was becoming dangerous for him and for his disciples, but also because they just needed a vacation. So they go off into the wilderness to like relax, to like rest and relax. But the people hear about this and 5,000 men and then probably about 5,000 women and children or who knows how many come and meet with Jesus. So there's this whole crowd of people there in this wilderness with Jesus. So Jesus has compassion on the people, even though he was tired. He wanted this rest and relaxation with his disciples to teach them. He has compassion on the people and he sits there and teaches them for several days and then he feeds them. That is the um, the one miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, he feeds the 5,000 people and he sends them on this way. But afterwards, um, it says that he sends his disciples to the other side and he's like, I'll meet up with you there. So Jesus needs this rest and relaxation. He goes up into the wilderness by himself and he prays to the father. So then about three o'clock in the morning, he can see his disciples somehow in the middle of the pitch black and in the middle of the sea, he sees them struggling. And so Jesus goes to them and walks on the water. He walks on the water and uh, he meets with his disciples literally in the middle of the water. Okay, so in Mark chapter 7, Jesus has a run-in with the Pharisees and they get angry that he isn't following the old traditions of like washing his hands and stuff. So Jesus tells them off a little bit. <laughs> Not exactly, but he's just like, yeah, th that's just traditions. It's just made up stuff. Like you don't have to do that. It's just a burden for yourself and for the people. And it's not part of God's law. So then um, he goes once again into Gentile territory and he heals this woman's daughter. So this Phoenician woman comes up to Jesus and, and she's like, you are the Messiah. Can you please heal my daughter who is possessed with demons? So Jesus um, calls her a little puppy. That's literally what he calls her, a little puppy. And he's like, it's not good for the children to toss their bread to the little puppies and the children do not get fed. And this woman does not get offended in the least, but instead she says, yes, but even the little puppies under the table are allowed to eat all the crumbs that fall from the children's dish. So Jesus is like impressed with this woman and he's like, your faith has made your daughter well. Go in peace, basically. So then he goes back into a different territory. It could have been Gentile. It could have been Jewish. It could have been a mixture of both. And he heals um, this deaf and mute man 
proving that he is the Messiah because that was the one thing that, um, well, one of many things, one thing that Isaiah prophesied was that the Messiah was going to heal the deaf and the mute people, which is what Jesus did. And the people are like exclaiming, wow, this guy can even heal deaf and mute people. They're basically saying he's the Messiah without saying it. So then to conclude in Mark chapter 8, Jesus once again does another miracle, which he feeds 4,000 men this time, along with women and children. And uh, he has another run in with the Pharisees. And they're like, we want a sign from heaven. We want lightning to come out of the sky. We want who knows what. We want something from you. You know, you're not giving us enough. We want more. So Jesus is like, no. And he leaves with his disciples because he's like super angry at the Pharisees at this point because they are expecting a sign from heaven when he had given them so many signs from heaven. So the disciples go with Jesus back into the boat. They're going somewhere and Jesus is depressed in his spirit, basically, and he tells the disciples, uh, you know, avoid being like Herod or like the Pharisees. The disciples don't get it. Jesus is like, why don't you understand this stuff? And so um, afterward, when they finally get to wherever they got to, Peter admits to Jesus that he is the Messiah. So finally, Peter gets it. It took them this long, Mark chapter 8, for the disciples to finally admit that Jesus was the Messiah. So as soon as they have this understanding of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, he begins to teach them all sorts of crazy things about what is going to happen to him, how they should, you know, take up their cross and follow him and all sorts of stuff that they just did not expect to hear. But friends and faith listeners, this was the Mark recap episode. And if you liked this episode, please rate it five stars, share it on your social media platforms. And, uh, you know, definitely tell people that this podcast exists. Word of mouth is one of the best ways that you can promote a product. And, uh, you know, if this has touched you in some way, this podcast is bringing value to your life in, in whatever way it might be, then please help it to grow by sharing it and letting people know that it exists. Also, friends and faithful listeners, I'm always on the lookout for, um, for guests, especially preachers. I love having preachers on the podcast because um, they're extremely knowledgeable. They know all sorts of stuff that I don't know, and they uh, can bring a fantastic new way of looking at the Bible that I am unable to do. So um, if you know a pastor, or if you have a pastor, please tell him uh, that I'm looking for guests, and maybe you'll be able to hear your pastor on the P40 Ministries podcast. But friends and faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day. Stay tuned for all the cool stuff that's coming up on the podcast, all the guests, all the new Christmas stuff that's going to be coming out very soon. Stay tuned for all of it. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the website, www.p40ministries.com. Subscribe, and you'll get all sorts of different things in your inbox once or twice a month whenever I get around to sending emails. (laughs) But guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. Happy listening and God bless.